मशीन लगाऊंगा इस साइड से आलू घुसेगा उस साइड से सोना निकलेगा Hi and welcome to Attention Please podcast on Talking Stuff Network. We are recording this on 9th of February. This podcast is now also available on your Google Home and Amazon Echo devices in select locations. So next time just try asking your assistant to play the Attention Please podcast and listen to Arnab while you're doing your chores, cooking or just plain lazing around. But someone who doesn't do too much lazing around since he seems to tweet almost 24 hours is your host Arnab. Welcome back Arnab what's on the show for today So today I really want to concentrate um, because of the events of last week uh with with the dharna in in Bengal which uh which was to to many people was kind of surreal when you have uh, a state uh state police arresting essentially federal police the federal police coming there to arrest state <laughs> police and state police going and arresting federal police So this I don't know if something like this has ever happened it might be my ignorance of uh, in my ignorance of indian history uh, or you know current current affairs but I don't recollect something like this ever happening and so I wanted to focus this uh, on this this episode on something which I you know I believe that I at least of it's the state which I understand the most which is bengal and that's because I was born there um to try to kind of deconstruct uh, what 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 is going on why do people lo- love mamata banerji and do actually people love mamata banerji anymore and uh, so let's start with so I, i've been meaning to do i've been wanting to do this this show for a long time but i've kind of been waiting for the proper political context um, and i think this this week is as good as any uh, to kind of take a little bit Yes, yeah, so to kind of take a little bit of a deeper dive um, into uh, some of the aspects of uh, modern Bengali politics. So the first thing I wanted to start off with, and this is this is a very common. Uh, so before I start off, as those of you who don't know me, I'm I'm not a big fan of Mamata Banerjee, even though from my from my from my personal history with Mamata Banerjee, there was only one time I ever voted in in Lok Sabha polls, and Mamata Banerjee was. was a candidate from my constituency and I voted for her because nobody in their right mind would ever vote for a cpm candidate when we were growing up so and also we we used to like mamata banerjee in those days uh because mamata banerjee was unlike uh, the other uh, congress but at that point of time mamata banerjee was part of congress and uh, the other Cong- everybody else in congress had essentially been bought by the cpm so even though they were opposition they were nominal opposition and mamata banerjee used to call them watermelons which was um essentially green congress on the outside but you crack them open it's all red on <laughs> the inside so that's clever essentially all yeah so they're all they're all agents of 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 the communist party so she 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 made her the irony is many of those people are now actually part of trinamool but uh but in those days they were they were all essentially bought over by the by cpm so the buying them over essentially meant that they were given their own pockets to control so they could extort from um you know street sellers or hawkers in shialda so they were given like okay you you guys you can extort from this area or you can have your durga puja which is again another way of doing extortion 
uh, in this area and we will not you know we will not go there or we will not raise questions but if you, if you stray out of your area then there will be hell to pay so most of the congress leadership at least the local congress leaders had been kind of in it's, it's kind of is a continuum between intimidation and buying them off uh, the only person and that's why really we voted for mamata banerjee we were all fans of mamata banerjee but she was one person who was in many ways incorruptible um incorruptible in the sense that not it was always skeptical about people who carry their incorruptibility on their sleeve and for those of you who have followed arvind kejriwal i hope you understand what i mean but uh, but mamata banerjee was incorruptible in the sense that no matter what the cpm would throw at her whether it be hitting her on the head with an iron rod whether it, she would not budge um the, the what comes off nowadays as often you know arrogance or even just downright craziness was always a hallmark of her politics she was not somebody who was ever going to compromise she was not somebody who was ever going to take a step back and everybody knew that there was not much of her in terms of what did she stand for what her policies were she was never a very mature politician of course the the the, the cpm were more you know whether you whether you agree with their politics or not they had a definite philosophy and a definite ideology mamata banerjee was absolutely bereft of any ideology or anything um she was there just to fight and in those days actually when the communist party of india basically controlled everything in bengal she was the only person who was fighting everybody else was either bought over or they were too scared to fight so we really appreciated her but you know coming but over the years of course Uh, as mamata banerjee has evolved from the underdog to the absolute top dog uh more, more i mean it, at least my perception of her has changed so before i start all of this you have to you know believe me that i'm not a tmc person in any shape or form those of you who have followed my tweets or have read my blogs would know that but for those of you not really familiar with my work there is of course a automatic connection that people make from somebody being bengali to being a supporter of mamata banerjee which is absolutely not true so let's start with the biggest um i would say canard that is often thrown around about mamata banerjee is that you know and you know mitcha in his speeches he says that i think modi said that you know mamata banerjee doesn't you know this the sense of it is that mamata banerjee is against hindus and she's uh, for muslims and you know people can't do durga puja okay for so, so these these things that 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 are the amit shahs of the world say this is purely for the consumption of people outside bengal for people inside bengal this is so this is this is so much not reality okay the number of durga pujas in calcutta and the surrounding areas have progressively increased over the years um and they have become bigger they have become you know fin- financial behemoths to the point that some durga pujas don't even collect they don't they, when we were growing up they would go from house to house collecting collecting slash extorting uh, but nowadays they don't even need to do that because of the amount of advertisements and corporate sponsorships from you know z bangla that they get the bigger pujas they don't even need to ask people anymore so over the years and i've been to kolkata during durga puja durga puja if anybody wants to say that you know that people are afraid of doing durga puja there's going to be nothing which is further from the truth now to understand mamata banerjee's link with the islamic clergy and she does have a link with the islamic clergy and let's kind of look at why that is the case 
So over the years, when uh, the CPM ruled supreme in uh, in in Bengal, uh, the way they did that, and I've discussed this in 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 blog posts before, was that they basically like a, like a parasite. That's the, that's the only uh, a, a metaphor that I can think of. They were basically feeding off they they were feeding off the host, which was the administration. So they had been able to inject their DNA into virtually every aspect of urban and city life. So whether it you went to a bank, there were all the CPM unions. Whether you went and boarded a public bus, it was all CPM unions. When you went to school, it was the CPM unions. The panchayats were controlled by them. The party was everywhere. As I like to say, you know, when uh, in those days growing up when somebody said, do you party? It doesn't mean what you think it does. And when somebody says, I'm going to the club, that doesn't also mean what you think it means. Club was essentially every locality would have uh, a CPM local community center. Let's call that. And that was called a club. It did have a little temple with it, but that was not really the main thing. What means the centerpiece of the club was a carom board. But a temple in a communist uh, enclave? Yeah, so I'm, I'm coming to that. So temple was not so, we will come to that. So the temple for Bengalis, and I'll just leave it there. We'll, we'll come back to that later. If I don't, remind me to come back, Vikram. Is that a temple in Bengal is not the same as a temple in UP. And that's why Ram temple is never really an emotive issue in Bengal. So I'll come back to that. Why? Why the basic the basic building block of the of of BJP's core appeal just doesn't work in in Bengal because of the way Bengalis uh, deal with temples and places of worship. So the the Hinduism that's practiced in Bengal is kind of very different, and I have I've seen that. I didn't see that when I was in Bengal, of course, because I presumed that was that was Hinduism. But once I have come to the US and I have talked to people from other parts of India, realized that they but what they what they experience as Hinduism is very different from what we experienced as Hinduism. But I'm coming to that. And that's that's interesting because that's where really uh, BJP as a political party kind of falls in, in, in that crevice. That they can't really make the leap from being a, perceived as a primarily in Uttar Pradesh, Bihar party to a Bengali party. But I'm coming to that. So let's let's right now focus on, you know, Mamata Banerjee's association with the Islamic clergy. So while the CPM government was there, there was a lot of uh, infiltration, illegal infiltration from Bangladesh. The borders were obviously open and uh, the CPM also encouraged it. Ironically, in those days, Mamata Banerjee, and there is there's still links uh, online and I've, I've linked to them sometimes, where Mamata Banerjee was the person who was primarily against illegal infiltration from Bangladesh. And people might find this am- amusing and amazing, but that was the thing. Because in those days, she realized that it was CPM which was benefiting from this. Um, so she was firmly against, and this was also when she had tied up with NDA government. So she was seen, believe it or not, as the most right-wing as most right-wing Hindu identity politician in Bengal in those days. Ridiculous as it may sound. Um, but it was true because she was allied with the NDA. She was taking pictures with Advani and Vajpayee, who, by the way, were never very popular figures in Bengal. Um, Jyoti Basu was the, the, the iconic, you know, the, 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 he was like Bal Thakare in, in Bengal. Uh, he also, I, I 
whenever I see him, he also looks like Bal Thakre also. So he he was so he he defined what the political center was actually, and Mamata Banerjee was actually to his right, believe it or not. Um. So in so Mamata Banerjee found herself at one point of time. This was somewhere you know early two thousands. It's possibly at the lowest point of her political career. She you know she was kind of on the ascendant in the nineties. and then that some after some time she just found herself being outmaneuvered and this was also happening because you know she sh- shifted from congress to you know she formed trinamool and you know there's a topic for another day that she always felt frustrated by pranab mukherjee who was uh, who was trying to assert the bhadralok hold over the congress party but mamata banerjee was trying to create a different kind of party which was more streets which was more st- street like a more a reflection of the way cpm does politics and uh, you know pranab mukherjee being the being the patrician that he was you know budget and everything he was just too intellectual to understand so he he had a persistent problem with mamata banerjee um, and they or sometimes he had to come down to make peace with with mamata banerjee mamata banerjee was always very much a hothead so that's kind of always been a characteristic of her and people like her because of that actually so you know she says what she wants to there's no there's no holding back people like that but coming back to the islamic clergy the only the only structure that the cpm could not get into was the structure of madrasas and mosques which had sprung up in rural bengal uh the reason why the cpm could not get into there was this is where their ideology kind of prevented them from going so there were two things first their ideology and first their own perception of class i don't use the word caste i use the word class so the cpm was led by people like jyoti basu a buddhadev who whose hobby was i think translating spanish poetry from the middle ages so you can kind of understand the kind of person we are talking about and contrast that to mamata banerjee so the cpm was essentially dominated by very elite intellectual types um who who were okay with you know cavorting with the unwashed but they drew a line and the line they drew was you know the madrasas and the mosques and so they because they were communists and they could not associate themselves with you know instruments of religion they kind of left that part alone so when mamata banerjee that was the only place mamata banerjee could go uh to basically start uh getting tmc or getting her there's nothing known as tmc but getting her own personal brand into let's say a branch of the non government and in parts of bengal the 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 predominantly islamic population the muslims and, and 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 the muslim clergy they are kind of the de facto government so mamata banerjee initially found herself that they also had felt um, kind of let down by the cpm especially because the cpm did not want to associate with them at one point of time buddhadev actually said some very uncomplimentary things about madrasas which jyoti basu was very pissed by the fact that he did but it was very evident that uh, that even if jyoti basu was kind of tolerant of them um the more kind of radical uh, buddhadev buddhadev was 
was a strange guy. He was like very true to his communist roots, but he was also a very honest and upright person. With Jyoti Basu, definitely wasn't. So he had this, you know, being, you know, being core communist and being against organized religion. He could never come to terms with, with that. But they they hated BJP and they hated them equal. But they also hated the the Islamic fundamentalists equally. Mamata Banerjee, being an absolute moral vacuum and moral and intellectual vacuum, had no such problems. So she basically stepped in to the only place where the CPM would not go, and that's really where the upswing started. You know, many people don't look at the the religious aspects of Nandigram and you know what the cost what, what the what it actually was, but it was played a very vital role in some of her more, uh, you know, the things that we remember her by, uh, the ones that made her into a superstar and ultimately the, the chief minister. So the thing with Mamata Banerjee is that she she dwells on populism. The only thing she cares about is will this get me votes. So right now she's also um, because of the perception that he panders and she has because they have been the only people who have supported her during her dark days. She's now doing, you know, she, she's now also leaning to the Hindu right. I mean, she's not Hindu right. I would say not BJP, but she's kind of gone to great pains to show that, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm very Hindu. Okay. I'm very Hindu. Um, And she has some several speeches where she kind of keeps on saying, you know, I'm very Hindu. I'm very Hindu. This is something which the CPM would never do. The CPM would never say I'm very Hindu. I would not imagine Jyoti Basu ever giving a speech like that, even if CPM had lost all their seats. But Mamata Banerjee does. So the point is, it's absolutely wrong to say that Mamata Banerjee is, you know, is communal. She's not. Okay, sure. She panders to Muslims because they are a vote bank. You know, other states, people do that too. She now panders to sections of the Hindus also. She's got absolutely, she's in that sense, she's very secular. And I mean secular in the true sense of the word. If you can vote for, if you buy her paintings and to decide to vote in a block, she will absolutely support you. She doesn't care what you do. So in that respect, she's very democratic. Unfortunately, democracy is not really pandering to people, but let's keep that aside for now. So I wanted to make this very clear because, you know, this this is something, you know, you can criticize Mamata Banerjee for a gazillion number of reasons, corruption and everything, but this is not true. You know, anybody who goes to Calcutta, you know, go to Calcutta during Durga Puja, Durga Pujas have become bigger, they've become louder. And yes, people, there was this whole thing about, oh, you know, Mamata Banerjee stopped Visharjan on, you know, in order to accommodate the Sera. Uh, in order to accommodate, sorry, um, what was the what's the name of the Moharam? Uh, so, first of all, it makes perfect sense to do that because it's it's very difficult to handle, you know, both the crowds at the same point of time. There's never been kind of communal tension between them, but it's just difficult from traffic point of view to do that. So, from an administrative point of view, it makes absolute sense. Second is what people just don't understand is that by postponing it, what Mamata Banerjee did was extend the Durga Puja. She gave everybody one more day of holiday, one more day to sell vegetable chops, one more day to have Pepsi standing (laughs) on the roadside. That the people don't realize. This is a win-win for everyone. Okay, so this is not a slight on Hindus. 
and again the when amit shah and modi they keep on they keep on saying this again and again and again they don't realize this is not touching the bengali because he he or she knows this is not the case this is purely for an audience outside bengal this is not for an audience inside bengal so if your objective is to win bengal then this rhetoric does not work because we see this is not true okay you don't attack on durga puja there are other things you can attack on you can attack on development you can attack on you can attack you can attack on the fact that yes that there has been you know this the the, the decision to give you know mozens this the grants and everything you, you you can use that but you cannot say that she's not letting you do durga puja because that is absolutely demonstratively false okay now the second point that i want to want to bring up and i and i face this a lot is that there is a lot of basically affluent uh people of calcutta who are extremely extremely supportive of mamata banerji so if you ask them they'll say well of course you know uh, sure there are some problems but all politicians have problems but mamata banerji you know she has really improved calcutta so first of all the, the problem with you know, anything like this statement is well there is no control group so you don't know if somebody else wouldn't have done a better job and whether this improvement per se is a just normal improvement of india improving its economy so yes true if your point of reference is kolkata in the 1980s of course it's it's very different and it looks very nice but is it has it kept pace with the rest of india that is the point to be considered and unfortunately for many bengalis the the, the reference point is is never that it is never some other city it's now become very insular the reason why they do that is because this is it's, it's something which i noticed this time is that Calcutta is a very small city and unlike many other cities it is not deteriorated as much and the reason is not because of great governance it's because there are no industries there so it it has not faced the kind of population pressure that a bangalore has faced for instance or a mumbai has faced throughout its history so it's not that the infrastructure is not crumbling as a matter of fact the infrastructure has gotten better i remember this the, the closest analogy of this was during uh during the west bengal when jyotibasu rule which was a, you know perhaps the darkest days of 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 bengal i would definitely say mamata banerjee is better than jyotibasu by by a light year um the, you know calcutta used to be plunged into like days and days of load what we call load shedding which is the lack of power and there would be no power now after some time the power problem kind of went away and the reason of course the cpm government said it was because of how awesome they were but the real reason why the problem went away was because industries which are the biggest consumers of power went away so now we had a surplus so even when perceived improvement because you know when when you in in the evening in a hot on a hot summer day when you have power that is part perhaps and you didn't have power that is perhaps the biggest perception of improvement wow the situation has become so much better unfortunately the situation has become so much worse that's why you're getting power and this this was the only thing really that helped the cpm but the point that i wish to make is with mamata banerjee is also that the reason why you know the 
it takes so little time to travel from Cal- from one point to another in Calcutta is because there are not that many cars compared to I'm not saying there aren't many cars. This is but compared to Delhi, compared to Gurgaon, compared to Bangalore, compared to places which were not like Calcutta in the 40s. Okay, so Calcutta had head start, which it totally lost un- under not Mamata Banerjee's fault, but it lost it. And while I will give Mamata Banerjee credit for some things, the reason why a bunch of affluent Kolkatans are so for Mamata Banerjee is because Mamata Banerjee has... I, I, there's a word in Bengali called hujug, okay, which which can be, you know, the rough translation would be, uh, I don't know how to, ex- so it's essentially passion, or I would say um, uh, a, a, a lot of useless activity. What is the word again? Okay, so hujug, useless activity, which which people love. So the thing with Mamata Banerjee in Calcutta is she always maintains this huju. Actually, I think Buddha Dev used the word huju, uh, so I'm kind of you know, in you know kind of copying him in this case. So he actually made made the exact same point that I'm making. So there's always some festival going on, something going on in Calcutta, okay. And and she, and, and she she always does that. And there's a, the section of Calcutta, in, I would say the privileged class, which which really appreciates this. And the thing with Mamata Banerjee is that, and I'm talking about the super privileged class, by the way, to for whom Mamata, you know, this is the movie stars, the movie people, real estate, business owners. Yeah, there are business owners still in Calcutta. The, the Trinamool government is basically a phone call away. So this is a very accessible government. Uh, for the super privileged, mind you, not for the normal person for whom the world hasn't changed, perhaps has gotten worse in some cases. But we can argue on that. But what Mamata Banerjee's done is she's created, and some of it she's done explicitly by giving this Bangla Ratno and all these different kind of awards to you know B grade, C grade intellectuals. Let's call them. That's what's one thing. But the another thing is that she's made herself accessible to. A lot of people contrast this with Narendra Modi. One of his biggest criticisms that even people in his own party have is that Narendra Modi is not accessible, um, and that's really the reason why you have this rebellion from the older guard in in BJP. Mamata Banerjee is very accessible, but again, it's not she's not accessible to everybody. She's accessible to the super privileged. So the super privileged in Kolkata have kind of become her brand ambassadors. Um, and which I find really interesting. This did not happen with the CPM. The super privileged in Calcutta were always against the Marxists because the Marxists' main rhetoric was, I want to take your money and I want to give it away. That was the reason why. Mamata Banerjee does not have this rhetoric because as I said, Mamata Banerjee does not believe in anything. Okay, so let's talk about the problem that BJP faces in, in Bengal. So one, So when I was growing up, the association of BJP. So I always mention when I was growing up because things have changed now and I've been out of the country for so long that I perhaps cannot speak as to how a, you know, a person in high school now perceives the BJP. I can't. But I started you know, deeply being involved in politics in the days of Mandal, in the days of Beaufort. So that kind of gives you, you know, how old I am. Um, so 
the problem was that we never, as Bengalis growing up, and we used to talk politics among our friends. Um, the thing was that, that in Bengal, there is this, like any place, there is some kind of xenophobia. And the xenophobia in Calcutta, in Bengal, always came out against Marwaris and Gujaratis. Mostly, they were all generically called Marwaris, even though they might be from Gujarat. It didn't matter. Marwaris was basically a catch-all term for non-Bengalis who were rich. And for non-Bengalis who were not rich, they were called Hindustanis. So just letting you know what the ontology is. Um, So there was, like any place, and this was, it was not never violent at all, like it was in, let's say, Mumbai. Because we never really had that that level of xenophobia, but there was always this grudging. Marwaris are taking over everything, and that is with respect to businesses. Uh, that was with respect to food. So if, if you talk to a Bengali uncle, you will say, you know, how milk-based products are being replaced by milk-based sweets are being replaced by dal-based sweets. So the the kind of a cultural imperialism of Marwaris cultural and economic imperialism. And that was basically because most Bengalis, unfortunately, did not know how to run businesses. Um, so Marwaris basically took took over, say hello to capitalism. Um, but that that hatred kind of state, um, one of the biggest things is if you, if you, live, if you look at Satyajit Ray movies, you'll find caricatures of Marwaris all over. So even somebody like Satyajit Ray, who was a humanist, who was an ultra-liberal person, the, but And here's the biggest irony. His producer was a Marwari. The guy who was financing the movie was a Marwari. And he would have in many movies, like Porosh Pathar, for instance, these very, very stereotypical Marwaris, you know, essentially greedy, uncouth people who are always after money. So he would, he, he himself, like he's, I would say, the, the, the pinnacle of, and I don't mean it in a sarcastic way. I think he's a pinnacle of liberalism, the way it should be. But even he could not, as a Bengali, could not get beyond, you know, just looking at Marwari's beyond a caricature. I don't can't think of. So there was another Marwari villain in one of his movies, uh, which was, you know, based on, again, based on religion and temple and water pollution. But again, there the, the, the villain was a Marwari. So he was unfortunately never able to get, a, get away with this, get away from this fundamental, I would say, xenophobia, unfortunately, in this day, which we would call xenophobia. But in those days, it was considered to be all in good humor because these were, you know, days where these things were not considered. It was not, it was not the world of snowflakes then. Um, uh, so however it is, now nowadays, if you look at some of his movies, you will, at least I feel really uncomfortable uh, looking at the way some characters and the, the way some regional stereotypes are expressed. But... Coming back to, you know, coming back to the point, the point was that the BJP was associated as a party of Marwaris. And this is in many ways true. So if you read the history of the Gita Press, uh, Gita Press being perhaps one of, I mean, Vikram, are you aware of Gita Press? Yeah, yeah, uh, I am. Yeah, so so again, for those of you who don't know, so Gita Press was, it's considered like the, the, the essentially, um, you know, the Hindu right-wing media before there was social media. So um, so the, the, the founders of Gita Press were Marwadis from Calcutta, which many people don't know, but it actually started in Calcutta. I mean, the, 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 the original Gita Press, it wasn't printed in Calcutta, but the original minds and the original financiers were Marwadis from Calcutta, as far as I know. So 
the association between not BJP in those days, Hindu Mahasabha, Jansang, the, the, the association was with non-Bengalis, even though we had Shama Prashad Mukherjee. So one of the another another misconception that people have is that Bengalis are communists. They're not actually. Bengalis are extremely passionate in their politics. So we have both extreme right wing and extreme left wing. So Swami Asimanan, Bengali. Shama Prashad Mukherjee, Bengali. So Bengalis have also, of course, there's a lot of communists in Bengal, but there are also people who are very, very right wing in Bengal. But that right wing is very different from the hardline right wing of Uttar Pradesh politics. Those don't align. Yeah. Um, so they're hard because Calcutta, you know, Bengal saw the kind of communal violence that UP and Bihar never saw. Even Punjab didn't see, it saw communal violence, but not at the level that Calcutta and you know, the Bengalis who basically thronged Calcutta. How, how did Calcutta the city deteriorate? Yes, the Marxists were responsible for it, but the biggest contributor was an immense influx of refugees from uh, from Bangladesh, which was you know, then East Pakistan. There was a first wave after partition, then continuous waves of Hindus essentially coming into Calcutta, which actually created a crisis for the West Bengal government, uh, which led to, and we can discuss that in another days, the crisis at Marchi Japi. I mean, this was really the problem and none of these people who were escaping from Bangladesh. I mean, some of them became communists, but most of them were would be sympathetic to a Hindu right-wing party. And yet, BJP never grew here because even the Hindu right-wingism of Bengalis is very different from the Hindu right-wingism of somebody from Uttar Pradesh or what is perceived. I'm not saying whether it's true or not, but what is perceived to be heartland. I have a question here, though, Arnab. So uh, I'm curious about, you know, you were talking about uh, BJP here. So generally speaking, who's the typical uh, BJP voter in Bengal? Is it uh, is it such uh, a vote for BJP is just an anti-Didi vote or is there any niche identity that uh, it offers for a, for a Bengali? I'm not talking about outsiders in Bengal and I'm using air quotes for outsiders. But for the Bengali, is there any niche identity that uh, the BJP is offering? No. No, it doesn't. So BJP, whatever vote they get, some of the votes they currently get is because I think Narendra Modi, as a pan-Indian icon, for good or for bad, I'll leave that up to the listener, is a pan-Indian icon. So many people, they many people in Bengal also, especially young people, they don't find it. They think Didi is okay for the state, but Modi for the center. Because Modi has a has created... You know, whether you call it PR or whether you want to call it his genuine achievements, but he's created an image for himself, which is the kind of like a Dhoni or Kohli image, which kind of transcends where he's from. And so even the party that he belongs to, it will be different if it's Yogi Adityanath, by the way. So then many people who cast their votes as a vote for Modi, especially in a general election, um, there are many people who uh, cast it as a protest vote against Mamata Banerjee. It's essentially a nota because they don't expect BJP to win. <laughs> but they're not going to vote for uh, Mamata Banerjee and they're definitely not going to vote for a communist. So this would be possibly be people my age. People who are a little younger wouldn't have seen Jyoti Basu. So perhaps they might have a little bit of a rose-tinted view of what he was. Um, but the, 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 the thing is that 
you know, that's what normally be, but it's changing because the demographics of Bengal is changing. First of all, we talk about infiltration from Bangladesh, but there's also a huge influx from Uttar Pradesh and Bihar um, who have like come to the villages, have come to the cities and they have brought the core BJP message with them. So even in many parts of Calcutta and definitely in parts of rural areas, there is now a core constituency of BJP voters. And in order to understand the changing nature of uh, Bengal itself, um, people could do could not do bet could could do worse than watch the kind of movies that are made in Bengal nowadays. So if you look at the popular Bengali cinema that comes out, okay, which are really Im- copies of Telugu movies you would find an inordinate number of Hindi words nowadays used. Yes, yes. When I was growing up, you know, there used to be very crappy Bengali movies where there used to be like, there was a guy called Shukhendash. In every movie, he would lose his liver or there'd be something would be transplanted, which he would use to pay for his sister's wedding. And then (laughs) then they would throw him out. He would get tuberculosis. Then he would lose his testicles. I mean, no, he wouldn't lose that. But you know, bad things would bad things would happen to him. And so this is his the entire movie was you know he did a series of movies in which he was the ever sacrificing you know people treat him terribly but he keeps on. So there were really crappy movies that were being made in the eighties and nineties. Uh, you know, it's the song sung by Kishore Kumar, uh, Bobby Lairi was giving the tune, but everything. Everything was pure Bengali. Okay, the pronunciation was classical Bengali. Uh, the words were all Bengali. Now, nowadays, no song, no popular Bengali song is entirely Bengali. The the heroes, uh, you know, the the heroes. I, I I unfortunately sometimes watch it just to be shocked. Is they don't speak. You know, even the even the pronunciation of Bengali is the way a Marwari would pronounce Bengali. It's not the way I talk in Bengal. It's like, why can't this guy pronounce a word correctly? Because that is really what works. Because the viewer of a Bengali movie is no longer the classical old world Bengali. So songs are like, Ye hawa silky silky, bole jai dil ki. Remember, this is a Bengali song. So the Bengali first words come in the third line. So this is something which I cannot believe, you know, growing up in the 80s and the 90s, that Bengali songs would be like this. But they are now like this. And this reflects, because popular culture is a very good litmus test for understanding how things like demographics are changing. So this is the thing. The demographics are changing. And this is BJP's biggest opportunity. Because Bengal is no longer just the place for classical old world Bengalis. They still predominate, definitely. They definitely predominate in Kolkata. They definitely predominate in terms of the amount of money they hold. I would say again, Marwaris hold a lot of money individually, but if you just sigma out the number of actual Bengalis there are, they still have a lot of power. Um, so this changing thing has led to the classical. That's why BJP is becoming a force to reckon with. We cannot believe, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s that BJP would even be, you know, BJP not filtered through Mamata Banerjee's TMC as a constituent of NDA, but BJP in its core elemental BJP form would even win a single vote in Bengal. And I'm being I'm, I'm, I'm being a little hyperbolic here, of course, but, you know, be a significant political force. 
So what I'm trying to say is that there is change going on, and Mamata Banerjee realizes the change. I mean, this time when I went to when I went to Calcutta, I saw a BJP procession with people walking with swords. Now I have not seen in Calcutta anybody walking with swords, and first of all BJP, then swords. This is not something which is uh, native uh, to even any kind of expression of Hindu identity in Bengal. The use of swords, it's not Bengali. Okay, we don't bring out swords for anything. Um, so you know this this provides a segue to what exactly is is Bengali Hindu identity. So first of all, is that Bengalis are deeply religious. So one thing that people think that you know we are all you know you know, cow-eating, godless, you know, communist. That is not true at all. Okay. I didn't have grown up as Bengali. Bengalis are deeply, deeply religious. But they are religious. So they're deeply religious. They're, many of them are deeply superstitious. Um, you know, they in some places, they're deeply patriarchal. So everything is there. Uh, it's not that it isn't there. But the, the core difference is that the temple isn't, going to the temple isn't as big a deal. For a Bengali, for a Bengali's uh, worship typically takes place in the house. The temple, even if you look at Calcutta, there are temples, but you know nobody says that I go to Kaligat temple. Like unless you're very religious, nobody goes to Kaligat temple regularly. Very few people go to temples. When I first went to uh, Stony Brook and I was you know giving my PhD exams, before the PhD exam started, you know these guys started talking about going to a temple. You know, non-Bengalis. And I couldn't, for the life of me and me and another Bengali, I couldn't even understand why people who were like 20 to 23 go to temples. That's something which my grandmother would say. Why are these guys talking about going to temples? And none of these guys are Hindu right-wing, by the way. They're all of them. Some of them are actually very, 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 very like liberal. Yet they're talking about going to a temple before, you know, a, a big exam, you know, a life-changing exam. Because that is part of their culture. So even though they, they're not asserting their Hindu identity, you know, it, going to the temple puts them in peace of mind. For me and for my Bengali friend, that no, no, it doesn't. You know, even hearing somebody talking about going to temple makes me say, but, you know, this is not the way young people talk or do they? Because we've never seen this. We never, you know, we never went to temples. We never thought about temples uh, growing up. But it wasn't that, you know, my friends were like, at least I went to engineering school, so it wasn't like a liberal arts place. So it wasn't like all of them were godless communists. Some of them were like believed in astrologers, for instance. That wasn't a problem. Um, so you know, the, the, the perception of, and this is what makes Hinduism so interesting, is that you know the Hindu identity itself manifests in so many different ways. So Hinduism, you know, is a belief, and the the, the thing is that. If you look at the biggest expression of Hinduism in Bengal, it is Durga Puja. And Durga Puja is, in its essence, an extremely inclusive religion. It's an inclusive, extremely inclusive event, I'm sorry. So there is in there are, there, there, are, there are Muslim localities where Durga Puja is organized by Muslims. Uh, and that's never been that's that, that's that's been historic. And that's never been considered to be strange because Hinduism in, in, in Bengal is, is 
so much and I, I maybe I might be a little bit struggling for words here is so much a fact of life that nobody thinks that it is a way of asserting their identity or superiority over somebody else that has never been the case so nobody thinks that i can be deeply religious i can be deeply believe in durga i can believe in but i don't it is not a means for me to assert my identity that has never been the case it has never been political it has never been aggressive so durga puja there is no aggression in durga puja at all there is no weapons there is no aggression now some later on i've seen in some places there have been mild aggressions but not in durga puja kali puja for instance might have some source of but not really because and which brings me to the last point ram as you know in the hindu gods for bengalis the biggest hindu god is madurga okay madurga in her various forms or madurga and her children those are the, they are the gods that bengalis associate with so that when the ram temple started even ram because of the kind of ethos that bengal had bengali literature had in the middle ages which i don't think other and i'm i'm ignorant of hindi literature so you know forgive me if i'm saying something wrong but much of bengali middle you know in 15th and 16th century literature was basically taking gods and making them out to be humans so gods were never really revered in that sense in the way that they're revered in other parts of india so lord shiva is basically shown as you know a guy who kind of hangs around with his no good buddies nandi and bhringi and you know the the you know madurga is always struggling to keep the family together so this is always the story of the gods is always told through a human family drama so gods are never really um, they do not have that godliness that is required in order to mobilize people for a political cause so whether it be durga whether it be lord shiva it's always been yeah they're gods we all understand they're gods but they're people just like us you know we we know them we so the the relationship and that's kind of comes from the bhakti movement and everything but that has predominantly been uh the bengali relationship with hinduism and again i want to stress the fact that we are deep, bengalis are deeply hindu okay even the communists even the cpm they would be seen going to uh, they would be seen going to durga puja i remember there was this time when i forgotten which leader it was he was shown standing in a durga puja pandal and of course he's not supposed to because they don't believe in god and so of course anand bazar patrika which was then uh, very anti cpm asked him and he said oh i wasn't here for myself i was here for my wife <laughs> cuz i don't believe in this i'm just here for the family so again th- that's true in a way i'm not saying he was fully lying that there was never really you know, nobody found it to be oh he's a communist but he also goes to durga puja that was not a big deal because hinduism or expressions of hinduism were never really seen as an alternative identity in other words you could be a devoted communist and you could still you know do anjali during ashtami there was no there, there was no dissonance between the two there was no dissonance there was no perceived dissonance and even for the person there was no dissonance so mm, why am i doing this i'm not supposed to i believe that religion is the opium of the masses so why am i doing uh, uh, anjali on ashtami nobody really thought like this 
so un- but unfortunately but the problem with the challenge with bjp is because you know they, they their brand of you know identity politics works in other parts of india but it has to be modulated or modified in in bengal and mamata banerjee kind of still speaks that language mamata banerjee is you know she, what she says might not make sense but the appeal that mamata banerjee has is because she still speaks to that true that mamata banerjee because of and which comes back to the first part of the podcast when she started out she was very close to the islamic clergy because they were her support base and she realizes that now uh, that and there was also another thing that mamata banerjee um she did her masters in islamic history as far as i know her her apparent phd thesis from east georgia university was about i think uh was about harem politics if if i'm not wrong so again she was somebody who could speak the language because you know she she knew that uh and none of the communists were were able to or willing to go there but over the years she has kind of pivoted she is she has realized the fact that this is actually strengthening the bjp that there are now many people in bengal who otherwise uh were at one point of time believed in that syncretic notion of hinduism who are now being pushed into a more traditional identity kind identity because they see this because they believe yeah that's right we've never seen this kind of thing happening in bengal so maybe the bjp has a point um i still think that mamata banerjee has overplayed that card and bjp could potentially stand to benefit from it there are people in bengal now who are possibly more aware of their a more pan indian hindu identity so the hinduism comes first indian comes first and bengali comes third but there's still a lot of people who think of themselves primarily as bengalis this is an again another very important thing another important i would say cultural and linguistic construct so when when bangladesh was formed if you still read some of the bangladeshi message boards which if you know that i do <laughs> yes you would find that bangladeshis while you know basically being let's say not being very friendly with india but they're still very friendly with bengalis over here because they believe that you know the bigger identity is our common bengalihood that is a very big identity now over the years bangladesh has been radicalized the islamic identity has kind of taken over and i think we have even in 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 this side of bengal people have more more embraced their hindu identity so i think this is kind of disappearing in a way but there is still um there's there's still a lot of like pan bengali identity like being bengali is a, 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 a let's say the the normal bengali would be more passionate about saurav ganguly being dropped from the cricket team by greg chapel than the delay in supreme court in making a ram mandir it's just even the guy who's even a even a bengali guy who considers himself deeply hindu who deeply respects ram who deeply respects all gods who's not a communist at all would still uh, go and protest uh because sort of ganguly has been dropped by greg chapel he would consider that to be a greater personal affront to him uh, than whatever happens in ayodhya that to him is secondary so this is something which the bjp struggles to understand this is not an isolated person this is the norm in 
in Bengal. And so one of the problems is that BJP, unfortunately, needs better leaders. Um, their, their leaders, their public faces have been people like Bapi Lahiri and magician PC Shorkar, who are, right. you know, you, you, you cannot expect them. So they, they have, and, and there are also some, you know, there's Rupa Ganguly, there's Lockett Chatterjee. And Rupa Ganguly, I like her because she's the only person I believe now who's like Mamata Banerjee in the sense that she like really walks the streets, gets beaten up. Um, the other the other celebrity uh, people that BJP has roped in are, are not there. They're just there for the PR and nothing else. So even people like, I mean, Babul Shukriya to an extent, but even Babul Shukriya is not someone anybody can get passionate over. Okay. I mean, he's a poor man's Kumar Shanu. So the problem is that they need better leaders. Um, and they need some kind of unique messaging that works for Bengal. Now they have Mukul Roy right now, and Mukul Roy is essentially a backroom boy. You know, he engineers defections, he gets people from this side to that side, you'll get financing from you know traditional people who contribute to TMC. So he's 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 for that. All political parties need their Ahmed Patel. Okay, that's okay. So, but he's not leadership material, okay? If he comes to stand in front of a mic, nobody wants to hear Mukul Roy. People won't even identify who he is, actually. So the problem that BJP has is they need a they need a face. Now the only face they actually have, I believe, is Narendra Modi. That's the only face that they have. He's he is a brand in himself. Um, they're trying to make Yogi Adityanath. They find that interesting. I'm a little skeptical of whether Yogi Adityanath would work as an icon in Bengal. I might be wrong. I don't think so. Um, I think I think the the new Modi. After, you know, as 2002 has receded from the public memory, the more moderate Modi that we have seen from 2016 is possibly someone that that the BJP should be using, given that they don't have any Bengali face, that he should be really be their, their, their only face in Bengal. Because I think he does have goodwill. Um, there are, of course, critics, but I don't think that he's as polarizing as Yogi Adityanath, who... Basically, his the moment Yogyetna comes on screen, he he basically symbolizes everything that Bengalis have believed about BJP, and not in a good way. Modi, little different. Uh, so I think Modi has to uh, the the only person I think before Modi that Bengalis who's not a Bengali that Bengalis were very fond of was Indira Gandhi. And the reason why there were many reasons why they were fond of Indira Gandhi a lot. One of the reasons was because of the Bangladesh war and because they felt that you know, Indira Gandhi supported Bengalis at that point of time. Uh, so they were, they were very passionate about Indira Gandhi. Indira Gandhi was the last, I would say, pan-Indian, uh, non-Bengali politician that Bengalis really even cared for. After that, they didn't care for anyone after Indira Gandhi was assassinated. I don't think anyone. They didn't care for Rajiv Gandhi at all. Uh, they didn't care for VP Singh. They didn't care for Narasimha Rao. They didn't care for anyone after that. I don't think they even, they definitely didn't care for Vajpayee either. They, there's, there is, after Indira Gandhi, Modi is the biggest name who's not a Bengali. And I think this is BJP's biggest asset at this point of time. Again, this, the path is uphill. I saw somebody said on Twitter, I don't know where this data came from, that the BJP is like winning with 17 seats or something in Bengal, uh, in the Lok Sabha. I would be deeply skeptical of that. I still believe that Mamata Banerjee, you know, you know Mamata Banerjee, at the stage that CPM was in during its like, in its peak time. So there were some elections when it did a little bit badly, like they would perhaps lose two seats out of forty-two, 
and then the next election they would come and they would get those seats too so and they would the only place they would sometimes lose their uh, their backing would be in urban calcutta when they did i mean there was a time when cpm was fairly blatant in booth capturing this was before evms and in, in the days when elections were actually tampered with so they would just do something which they themselves called scientific rigging um where they would you know it, it, it was very open thing that they did so sometimes the cpm would go overboard with their quote and quote scientific rigging and the kolkata bhadra log would get pissed off at them and they would perhaps <laughs> and they would perhaps vote in one congress guy and then uh, jyotibasu would make a speech where he would kind of mildly chide the cpm cadres for like you know please don't start bombing at you know 8 am please bomb after you know please throw the bombs after 11 am don't do it at 8 am when people are you know having this shingara and gdp now I'm, i'm kidding but they they would kind of you know pull it a little bit back um and then the people would be mollified and sometimes they would of, of course they would, the, the lines would be blurred and then they would lose a few seats or anand bajaj would write a bad editorial and you know either jyoti basu or one of his flunkies would kind of come and you know make a mild apology without saying so so the last thing that i wanted to say is what i find <laughs> is mamata banerjee's paintings and her poetry so what i find endearing about you see this is the thing about mamata banerjee is that nobody in bengal actually thinks she's a great poet or a great painter i mean we may be crazy but we're not that crazy uh, but i think there is an acceptance that okay so mamata banerjee is selling these paintings and she's making money for her party people accept that that's a baseline of that's the cost of doing politics okay somebody has to get the money so then the question is isn't the congress taking money isn't the bjp taking money and that's true they are all of them are. and there's no politics without that what they find endearing is that mamata banerjee is painting those hideous pictures and that she's you know she she's getting money from that and she herself sincerely believes that is in a way so people find that endearing the bhadra look find that endearing so it's both an endearing thing but also a feeling superior thing that it's the way we like gunda or big boss yes yes so it's also marveling at the train wreck of her paintings but it's also extolling her simplicity that oh she actually thinks this is a good painting oh she actually thinks she's she's an artist so it's it's and they say we we we, we preferred this to the sly worldly wide politicians that are in the center so some of it i mean some of it kind of feeds in you know we, we might find this we meme worthy or you know people outside bengal might find it strange laughable and we the thing is we do too but 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 we kind of kind of we kind of understand that for mamata banerjee the the goal is just like all bengalis it's to be an intellectual it's to be an artist we kind of share the same goal now every bengali thinks they're a better artist and a better poet than mamata banerjee which might or might not be true but the fact is we bengalis understand that aspiration all of us fundamentally understand that aspiration that at the end of the day we don't want to be remembered by the amount of money we made but the amount of artistic things that we produce so we see mamata banerjee struggling with that but while we may laugh at the effort at what comes out of her effort we do not laugh at her effort itself the fact that she 
endeavors to do this, that her goal is this, that is something which most Bengalis share. So that part, that is why that part I find fascinating. That that is both a source of people deriding her as well as people loving her because she does that. And I think in a deep, deep way, I think Mamadat Banerjee herself realizes that, which is why she, you know, does these in a very public place. She doesn't just create paintings and sell them. She draws paintings in public like M.F. Hussain. Okay. As if this is M.F. Hussain and I'm drawing this right at this moment. So I think this this, this, this is unique symbiosis between, you know, both the, the train wreck aspect as well as the respect aspect, which kind of feeds into the aura that Mamata Banerjee has and which BJP will increase, will, will definitely find it very, very difficult uh, to dislodge her. The only, the only way, there are only two ways in which you can do it. Firstly is to have a really, really, really big ticket name on the front of the party. And we all know and we've heard that BJP has tried at various points of time to rope in Saurav Ganguly, which they haven't been able to. Only, I think Saurav Ganguly is perhaps the only person who I think who can at least go up against Didi as a person, persona. I think nobody else in Bengal can, really. Doesn't have that, doesn't have that respect or doesn't have, Saurav Ganguly is extremely respected. Um, not just for his cricketing days, but what he has done after that for Cricket Association of Bengal and just the way he has carried himself around. So he's the only, but BJP will not be able to get him. And Saurav Ganguly is only too smart to know not to, not to put the respect that he has with Bengalis at stake. You know, he, this would be a highly risky move to associate with the BJP as their primary chief ministerial face. And the second thing that BJP needs to do, which is the even more tougher thing, which is the tougher thing, uh, which again Mukul Roy can help them do, which is to kind of get into institutions. Now it's very difficult to get into the conventional institutions like this, like, like the teachers or the or, or the banks. Mamata Banerjee has taken all of that over. But the trick is just like Mamata Banerjee went after the Islamic st- structure, the Islamic st- structure within the state. Um, with the madrasas, it is important that BJP, in order to solidify, I'm not saying this is a good or a bad thing, but from a purely political strategy point of view, the BJP has to solidly get into the non-Bengali population. In And I think they're doing that. So this is not rocket science. That's exactly what Mukul Roy is trying to do. But it's trying to essentially supplant the traditional Bengali way of thinking with a new pan-India Hindu way of thinking and to get into institutions. Again, the, the way CPM succeeded was it got into the institutions. Mamata Banerjee was lucky. All she did was she flipped the people. So it was the exact same people who were CPM now went to TMC. Now, in many cases, the BJP has been able to do that. For instance, Rupa Ganguly was a CPM before. So they can flip CPMs. I mean, most of their parties actually flipped <laughs> flipped uh, CPM people, which is bizarre if you think of it. Uh, but the thing is, they need to get into institutions. They need to, to use a management speak, think out of the box, to go where no man has gone before and to create their structure inside, which Mamata Banerjee again was able to do. So again, this this is our podcast for today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Please, you know, send your comments. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's it for me today.
Okay, yeah. Like Arnab said, that's pretty much our podcast for today. Uh, for someone with zero knowledge of uh, Bengal politics beyond what uh, Delhi media tells me, this was very fascinating. And I have to say, I think uh, your haters will probably be in a tizzy with this episode since they might have expected a, a non-nuanced or unnuanced Didi bashing uh, session. Uh, of course, for your listeners, this is the exact reason why we tune in every week. So for our listeners, you can support Arnab by pledging any amount on his uh, Patreon page. That is patreon.com slash greatbong. Uh, all contributions go entirely to Arnab, bearing, of course, any charges that Patreon makes. So I would encourage you to do that. And uh, we'd also appreciate if you could leave a positive review and five stars for this podcast on Apple Podcasts or uh, whichever app you're using to listen to this. It goes a long way in making this uh, uh, accessible to many other people. Also, do try out What's Up Geeks, our tech podcast without the tech that's available wherever this podcast is. Just to remind you, you can now also ask your smart speaker, whether it's uh, your uh, Amazon Echo device or a Google Home or uh, anything with the Google Assistant to ask uh, to play the Attention Plus podcast. Be aware that though uh, Google says uh, that it's only available in select locations, whatever that might be. So try it out and let us know if it worked. And uh, that's it. Until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.